The Weekly Harvest, an in-depth look at the Brandon Weekings and the WHL. Washman trying to come up with it for Allison. Here's Allison right in front. He scores! Brandon Jr. Hockey fans, you've waited two decades for this. In the league's 50th anniversary, your Wheat Kings are the champions. Well, welcome back to the Weekly Harvest after a bit of a holiday break. Uh, we're back doing this again. My name is Chris Falco, Director of Game Day Operations for the Week Kings and the uh, In Arena Voice. Joined with the co-host, Brandon Crow. Brandon, how was your holidays? It was great. A 10-day break. Uh, it's it's crazy how fast it goes by, though. I felt like uh, you know the game on the 17th just ended, and all of a sudden we were right back at it with four games and five nights. But uh, nice to get the break, get a little World Junior action in, some NHL hockey on the TV. It was good. best part of the holidays is the oh. World Juniors, right? And so. how about that? Kalen Addison, congrats to him i mean brandon boy born and raised another one of those westman products we've talked about endlessly about the western hockey league and brings home a gold medal that's fantastic one of my favorites too was just seeing joel holfer annette he stood on his head last year when he was with swift current here remember there was like that like <laughs> like 47 48 save shutout performance that he, he had here brandon couldn't score on him to tr- if they tried it he was, was unreal that game so you know to see him the next year and you know fight his way onto that team and play as well as he did that was a great story considering too. he was undrafted as well in the western hockey right. league just a free agent signing went to swift current was great part of that big deal in portland now he's leading the Western League with all the statistical categories, comes back with a gold medal. So he's missed almost two weeks now, and he's still sitting number one in the Western Hockey League goaltending stats. So that tells you how good of a season he's having. But what a what a great dramatic victory for Canada at the World Juniors. What a dramatic weekend it was for Brandon as well. Yeah. Posted a couple of shutouts. Friday, one nothing win over Prince Albert. The defending champs came to town. That was one of those games that I think for the first time all season, the Brandon fans were on the edge of their seats, especially coming down the wire in that third period. It was a real tight one to the finish. And Yuri Patera, the way he has stepped up his play, you're talking about Joel Hofer leading the league still, but I mean, Yuri's making his his, his mark heard now. Uh, the the two shutouts in a row, but going back to that game, we'll, we'll talk about the game versus Regina, but that game versus PA on Friday night, he made some outstanding saves, got some great help from his teammates as well, like that uh, Connor Gutenberg play when he took the puck off the line. But uh, all in all, Yuri's playing the best hockey that we've seen him play in a Wheat King jersey. You know, Pete said to me a couple of weeks ago on the broadcast that he didn't think Erie was right. He thought that maybe after the injury, he didn't look as confident, he didn't look as solid, and I think he's back. I think whatever was going on with Erie, whether it was mental, physical, trying to overcome the injury, I know there was some sickness going around the room as well, I think he's dialed in. The last two games, he has had a look in his eye of, you're not going to score on me. And, you know, that game against Prince Albert, you talked about Goody pulling that puck off the line and saving a goal. 29 saves for Yuri in that night. Uh, and then he goes into Regina and posts another victory, another shutout. A different style game, 5 nothing. Brandon won on Sunday. Uh, but he goes ahead and, uh, and kicks aside 31 shots there as well. Back-to-back shutouts for him. Uh, he is dialed in right now. And it's nice to see because... It's starting to, to lead te- to team success. Four victories in a row for Brandon. Yeah, 138 plus minutes as of right now uh, is what he's uh, going for a shutout streak. Um, and the team is is helping contribute there as well. So it, it, it is nice. Now, it's funny that you kind of said that or that, that Pete mentioned that. Um, there was some sickness going through the room and stuff like that was happening, but it's almost as if like it was just a switch because now all of a sudden Yuri's controlling his rebounds, and that was a big thing before too, is the giving up the rebound goals. These last two games, he's given up very few. 
Well, and and I thought that there were times where he was getting mad at himself, and you normally didn't see the frustration from Yuri, but then a puck would come in and out of his glove, and you could see he was mad. He'd smash his stick on the ice, or he'd hit the crossbar. You could see him talking to himself in the crease. So something just wasn't quite right with Yuri, and I I don't want to say that it has to do with the fact that his mom came over after Christmas and watched five games in Brandon. But for whatever reason, ever since Mrs. Patera showed up, Yuri has been locked in. So I don't know if she pulled him aside and had a little mother-son talk with him <laughs> or what, but she came, got to see five games, uh, spent a lot of time with his billet family, and he was excellent for her. Whether there's any correlation to that or not, maybe a little home cooking, either way. The same thing happened last year. The, yeah, you're right. Yeah, the mom and the dad, they both came over for the visits, and uh, Yuri played fantastic. So same thing here. How about this for a stat, though? Okay, so let's go back. Uh, 31 saves for Yuri Patera on Sunday night. Extends his shutout streak over 138 minutes and change. He's the first goaltender with back-to-back shutouts since Jordan Paperni did it. January 22nd and 24th of the championship season where he shut out PA in Regina. However, Logan Thompson had a win and gave up a goal in between those two games in Saskatoon. It was a 3-3 three and three weekend through Saskatchewan. So, Yes, Paperni had back-to-back shutouts, but it wasn't... But it was over three games. It was over a course of three right. games. The last goaltender to do back-to-back games and have team shutouts back-to-back games was Andrew Hayes back in September of 2009. He actually finished with three consecutive shutouts uh, for uh, the Brandon Weekings back in 2009. So that's a, a long time ago, um, you know, going back to Andrew Hayes. I mean, that's uh, you know, 2009, 2010, Memorial Cup year. Yeah, we're talking 10 seasons ago. That's kind of how rare this is that uh, Yuri's now in this company. Uh, and it'll be a very, very tough task to try to push this to that third game with who we have coming in, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But, uh, yeah, these last two games, at least he has been super dialed in. So as a result, uh, Brandon now two games above five hundred for the first time since the season started. And if the playoffs were to start today, okay, so we're recording this on Monday, January 6th to kick off Episode 3. If the playoffs started today, Brandon would play Prince Albert in the first round in that two-versus-three matchup. Winnipeg would get the Calgary Hitmen the first wildcard team, and the Edmonton Oil Kings would get the Saskatoon Blades. So it would be a Brandon-Prince Albert playoff matchup. However, the Raiders would have home ice advantage. So you might run into that, you know, where are the Wheat Kings going to play in the first round with the winter fair sort of scenario that we get to every single year. But if Brandon were to catch the Raiders, only six back, and get home ice advantage, Wheat King fans might see some home playoff hockey for the first time in four years now. There was a couple of big games that Wheat King fans are probably watching as well this past weekend with PA playing Winnipeg two games in a row. Uh, you know, so just trying to figure out in the standings, looking at the points, you know, if, ideally as a Wheat King fan, you probably wanted a split, uh, which was what happened. Um, just try and, you know, keep them within, within that, that target ground. But you're right. I mean, only six points back. A lot could still happen between now and the end of the season. But they're also needed that big win. I mean, they came into Brandon on a six game losing streak. PA did. Uh, Brandon Lost extended that to seven. Then the, thankfully for them, they did get that split in Winnipeg just to help break that snide they're on but they're a much better team than what this latest losing streak has kind of defined them so as a weaking fan it's really nice that they can still kind of be within be within range so certainly they've got a game in hand six points back of the raiders and, and we could talk standing stats and everything uh but uh, we all know that uh, the reason people come to these podcasts is to kind of unplug for a while and get kind of lost in some storytelling and if we had a great storyteller this is gonna be part one of a two-part series with head coach dave lowry and, and i know a lot of fans hear him on the radio they hear the interviews you guys do with him but it's very x's and o's and it's very hockey this was completely off the hockey path really we barely even talked wheat kings with him it was legitimately as you're about to hear in the first part of the interview it was great just to sit down with dave and just 
talk about his playing career, talk about some coaching stories, just talk about kind of what led him to become the weekend coach without really getting into what has happened since. But it was a great conversation. We could have went on forever. So we're going to cut it into two parts. Part one here today, and then part two we'll get to, I believe, probably in episode five following the trade deadline because we want to talk to Darren Ritchie about what happens there on January 10th. But you're not going to want to miss this. Some great stories uh, with uh, head coach Dave Lowry. He talks about his wife, his kids, and everything about his playing career. So certainly uh, a great interview, and uh, we'll throw it over to the head coach of the Brandon Wheat Kings, Dave Lowry, next. Episode three of the Weekly Harvest uh, here in the Wheat City, and uh, we're in the boardroom chatting with the head coach, the Brandon Wheat Kings, uh, Dave Lowry, on this week, a special guest, a guy that's resume uh, just goes on and on and on back to his junior days with the London Knights. And Dave, obviously, you, you have a, a heck of a resume and a heck of a career behind you. Uh, looking at it now, is it hard to believe that you know all of that is in the past and you are where you are right now so many years later after it all started? Well, I, I, I think the biggest thing is, is hockey's been, been uh, my life. And real fortunate that it's a, it's a great game to be a part of. And, and it was... Uh, it allowed us a, a lot of luxuries in life, and with with a family that and the size that we have, you know, having having four kids and and uh, having the summers off, it was a it was a really really great place to uh, to work. That's going to take me to the question I had on my notes. So you and your wife, four kids, uh, you had eight different cities across your pro career between you know the NHL the American Hockey League how exactly did you pull that off moving from one end of the country to the other with four kids what's the age gap as well between them well my my oldest is a 98 or an 88 my youngest is a 98 and the boys are in between 91 and 93s so not only did i drag my wife who is who is uh you know a really huge supporter of what uh what i do not only have i dragged her through a lot of American League, a couple of cities in the American League, uh, a couple of cities in the National League, but now I'm doing it uh, coaching <laughs> Bringing as well, her to right? <laughs> and, and it's funny, when I took the job in Calgary with the Hitman, and it was you know, we, it was a great setup. We were able to take a job, move out of hockey, not have to, not have to move. And the minute I took the job with the Flames, I looked at her and I said, the only thing that we've done here now is we've guaranteed ourselves a move. At least one. So, and true to that, she's been a big supporter of you. That's just crazy. Four kids. I don't know how you pulled that off, Falca. You got two kids, and I imagine you're run off your feet as is right now. <laughs> two kids living in Brandon, working for the Weekings, and then playing minor hockey is like enough to be a little bit chaotic at times. No, I don't know how you guys did that. Um, and, and not just raising four kids, Dave, but I mean, they were obviously very involved with, with sports as well. What was that like trying to balance both of those things? Trying to bring up the kids while they were so busy in their own sport while you were doing yours? Well, number one, you have to have uh you have to have very supportive family. And I'll tell you what, the best thing best thing for us was when uh my, my oldest got her license and she was able to start driving some of these kids <laughs> <laughs> some of the kids around and, and but uh reality is a lot of parents really fear when it's time for their kids to to get a license. We went and bought her a car for crying out loud so she could uh, help but it it takes someone who is very organized and and very strong and and uh, to be able to do this and and the kids were busy and sometimes you have to rely on other people to to come and to come and get them and we don't we don't talk much about my oldest and and she was she went uh, to school on a volleyball scholarship so she was an athlete and she was playing competitive ball as well and my youngest is a hockey player just 
going to graduate this year. So it, it was busy, and, and uh, that was in the wintertime. And in the summertime, we had a little bit of fun. We, you know, the obviously with spring hockey and, and the kids being busy in their activities. But my oldest, she played soccer, and, and, uh, and we also had the boys, they played baseball. And, and uh, I was coaching part of that. And so it was it – was, go right from uh, day one pretty well is that something that you kind of pushed on the kids to become two sport athletes to do or multiple sports because nowadays you obviously see that all the time where it's hockey 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 all year round you got spring hockey summer hockey you got floor hockey did you find that that was more important even for yourself growing up well playing I, multiple sports I, i'm a huge advocate of uh these kids being athletes trying to try, try and develop an athlete and you look at a lot of the young kids who are exceptional, say we'll use hockey as an example, they're exceptional players when they're younger. They're burnt out by the time they're 14 or 15, and they've lost their desire and they've lost their passion to play. I think if you can get them off the ice or if you can get them off of the field and get them doing something else, it, it really grows It really grows their their whole perspective of what sports are about and and. You know, sometimes it might be an individual sport, like getting them to play golf or getting them to play baseball or soccer. And and when we coached spring hockey, we had we had one rule, and and one one of the rules was, and I did it with the boys, was we encouraged them to be multi-sport athletes. And but the one rule that we had in place was, if you were playing, say, we'll use hockey and hockey and lacrosse, similar or hockey and baseball. If it was a practice or a game, I encourage you to go to the game. If it was a practice and a practice, I encourage you to make a decision. And don't always pick the one sport, always be right. the same. I wanted it to be balanced, but the one rule that we did have in place was, was I wanted the player to reach out to the coaches or just reach out to one of the coaches and just say, I'm not going to be at practice today. I didn't want your parents calling, and I wanted these kids to learn that uh, they had to communicate, and it was going to be some ownership on their part as well. Obviously, your you're two boys uh, you know, that are you know the hockey players in Joel and Adam – Kind of had a bit of a different route between the two of them. Obviously, um, you know, Adam goes to Swift Current, does the Western Hockey League route. Joel, on the other side, goes to Cornell, which is an Ivy League school and probably about as far away from a kid in Calgary can think of to go to school. How did that all play out? Because you were a guy that played the, the major junior route and went that way. What was the discussion like in your house, whether it be with Adam or Joel, on what route they take? Well, the big thing, and this is something that uh, not enough parents would adhere to, is I, I allowed our kids the choice and the direction that they wanted to, to, to go, and, and we were going to be fully supportive of it. Um, Adam Adam chose Western Hockey League, and, and he was a, he was a very strong student and, and uh, won, the, the, uh, won the academic award in, in the Western Hockey League and, and was a runner-up one year. And so uh, academics, athletics were very strong with him as well, and his his mindset was made at uh, 15 when he got cut from the the midget AAA team, and it was going to be the only year that him and his brother could play on the same team. And and uh, they were really for us with obviously the the four kids and the activities and all that. It would have been a godsend to have them play on the same <laughs> team. And you you know you take one one place out. Well, for whatever reason, the coach didn't feel that he was good enough to play on that team. So it was probably for Adam. It was one of the best things ever that uh, he just said, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to play." In Calgary, in Alberta, they have the 15-year-old league. And it was, uh, for him, the last time that he was going to be able to play with his peers. And he had a great year. He had a lot of fun. And, and uh, you know, the friendships that uh, he still maintains today. But he knew deep down that he was never going to play for this coach at Cutham. 
So that just drove him and motivated him through the summer training, and unbeknownst to us, that that's uh, the path that he was going to take. His brother was a little different. Uh, he got cut from Red Deer, and uh, at 17, and he had to go back and play midget. And he just said, "You know what? I'm done with the Western Hockey League." And there was a there was a team that, and there were some teams that that really were interested in him. And one was a very good team, and and uh, might have played for a championship. And they they had inquired that they would make a conditional trade if he would would uh, come and and commit to play in the Western Hockey League. And by that time, he had uh, decided that uh, he was going to go. Uh, go to school and Cornell came in and, and there were some teams that were very interested and what what happened was was uh, and this very rarely happens the head coach uh, Cornell Mike Schaefer comes out and comes to the house in the summertime and recruiting him and he was coming and thinking that because he showed up he was going to get an answer and I remember we were sitting at the table and we had Mike in for dinner and and he goes well are you coming and Joel looked at him and he goes I'm going to think about it. <laughs> All the way from Cornell to think about it. Right? And, and Mike, Mike is dumbfounded at the table, and I'm just like, you know what? Good for you. Yeah. Well, you, especially at that age, you probably have multiple schools and multiple conferences and cities, and it's one of those things where, yeah, your your father allowed you to travel around and see a bit of the country, but you want to make that choice for yourself. Uh, let's go to your NHL rookie season. Uh, you get a chance to play with some guys. So one guy who arguably probably could be in the uh, conversation for a Hockey Hall of Fame and in San- Stan Smeal and Cam Neely on that Vancouver team. That was a big roster. Not a lot of household names on that roster, but what do you remember from your rookie year back in 1985 with the Vancouver Canucks? Well, I remember uh, playing in in a market where it was we weren't very good. And uh, the building, the building, uh, a lot of nights wasn't uh, wasn't full. It was uh, it was a dream come true to to play in the National Hockey League, but it was uh, at times it was, and and I really can understand the adjustment period that these kids go through when they when they leave home and and uh, you know they they have to start out on their own and and I and I'd left home to to go play junior hockey, but now I've I, I left from Ontario to go play in BC and. And it was uh, there was an adjustment period, and there, you know there's a lot of time when you're when you're by yourself, you're not with your buddies, and you go to the rink and you practice. But when practice was over, what do I do now? And, yeah. you, and you had choices, right? And, and the game was different. Uh, there used to be a lot of afternoon lunches that would turn into dinners, and you tried to not be part of that club. <laughs> <laughs> what I want to talk about is when you went to uh, Florida. After the expansion, what was that like going into a club that had no history and had no ground roots? Well, that was uh, that was at a real, that, you know, a, a point in, in your career where now you're like, and this is this is back when you when you were made available for the for the expansion. So did draft. you know that you were up to be picked, or how did that all play out? When I when I left, I was in St. Louis. When I left, it was uh, at my year-end meeting I was being protected and I was coming back and everything was great and a couple of days before the expansion draft I get a I get a phone call and they're going in a different direction and they were going to make me available and I said okay hey whatever right like obviously you're disappointed and and that uh, kind of ticks you off a little bit but I remember getting a call and being s- selected in uh in in the expansion draft and and the guy I said you know what 
it was it was one of the reporters, and, and I said respectfully, I said, you know what, my daughter had just fallen, she had broken her arm, and it was a, it was a major break where she had spent 21 days in traction in the hospital, right? So it was, and I said, to be perfectly honest, hockey right now is probably the furthest thing from my mind, but it was a blessing uh, in disguise for for our career and and the opportunity. And one of the best stories is is we go in in August, the first week in August, and and they. Uh, they they told us the reason why we were going. It was a PR tour, but we were going to be able to have some time to go look at some places and try and get set up before training camp and all that. And and uh, we're sitting around having dinner. And the, at the first night, it's very quiet. There's uh, Mike Huff and Scott Mellenby and Tommy Fitzgerald and Bill Lindsay and Joe Sorrell and John Van Beesbrook. And we're looking at each other. And Brian Scrudlin was there. And we're looking at each other. And Jody Hull's there. And we're like... I don't like you. <laughs> I don't like you. I don't like you. I don't like you. But that was probably the ultimate compliment for for everybody, right? We all hated each other. And now we were thrown in and, and really we did know each other and we had to sit there and we had to have dinner and we were with our wives and we had to get along and but that was it was unbelievable because it was we hated each other from for the way that we played and respected each other for how we played. What a run uh, that Stanley Cup run was. So obviously, the, the, if you compare the rosters on paper, Colorado had a ton of big names. Florida didn't really. It was similar uh, you know, to you know, the team you played on in, in Vancouver. There wasn't a lot of big names. But all of a sudden, you find yourself rolling through that Eastern Conference, beating Boston, Philly, Pittsburgh, other teams with big names. What do you remember from that, or was it all just such a blur and it happened so fast? Well, I think the biggest highlight for me was the fact that uh, – Gareth Brooks came in, and he was, and this is where everyone thought, right? That there was no way the Florida Panthers were going to make the playoffs. So, Gareth Brooks came in and had the the uh, Miami Arena booked for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Thursday, Friday, Saturday. He came in and did three shows. So we played game one on Wednesday, and game two was on Sunday. So we had an opportunity to uh, to go to to the concert and and I, I know that we were playing Boston and Boston ended up going home but uh, there was every concert has a press conference right and and uh, one of the, one of our PR guys Greg Bor said I, I know you're a big country fan and would you like to come to the press conference and and possibly meet Garth and I'm like you know this is in 1996 and Garth is absolutely yeah. huge right and here I am, just a like a small little role player, and and uh, my uh, Elaine says to me, she goes, uh, "Well, you should maybe take a jersey." And I'm like, "Yeah, right, right." So I I went to the trainer. I said, "There's probably no chance that he's going to ever give me a jersey, right, just to give away." So uh, I go down to the concert and and I drive drive down with Robbie Niedemeyer. He's with his mom and his girlfriend at the time, and and I I do get a jersey. And so we go into this press conference, and they've got the Marlins and the mayor and all these all these uh, dignitaries there, and you know they they all have speeches. You know Don Don Smiley, and the, the, with the Marlins they've got uh, a Brooks '96 jersey and a hat, and they got a great speech. And the mayor welcomes them with these crystal horses. And I looked at Robbie and I said, "Well, what are you going to say?" <laughs> <laughs> and Robbie Robbie's a real quiet guy, and he's like, "I'm not talking today." So I end up. Uh, throwing something together real quick and I present him with uh, the jersey that I had worn uh, the night before and it you know ironically had some blood on at the front of it and it wasn't wasn't really washed yet and he had taken the other gifts and went like 
Kyle looked at him, great, I get this all the time, right? Well, he took the jersey and he looked at it. And I said, I do apologize for the blood on it. And, <laughs> and uh, he said, you know, he took it and he actually looked at it. And he, uh, I didn't realize he was such a big hockey fan. And, you know, obviously the uh, his charity now incorporates the NHLPA and, and that. But uh, Wednesday night, con- or the Thursday night concert, we didn't go. Um, so I'm driving home and I'm like, oh, I, I, you know what, I think this might have been a waste of time, right? I, I, I can't use the carpool lane. It takes me an hour and a half to get home from Miami back up to Boca. And I'm like, oh, you know what, this might not have been the right thing. So we go we go to the concert on Friday. And I've got my uh, my daughter Sarah with us, and it was a one year anniversary of Oklahoma the bombing, and and th- there's a bomb scare in the building, and I'm like, you know what? Uh, I've got two boys at home, and I I don't know if this is really worth staying, right? And one of our VPs comes and says the the place is secure, and Garth comes out and comes up out, out of stage and rises up out of the piano and you can see the palm trees and he's wearing my jersey and I'm like holy shit <laughs> <laughs> I said like you know what maybe maybe you've made it and it didn't matter what happened that night and uh, so we left him uh, we left him on the pass list hoping that he'd show up one night right <laughs> after a game and that's and so we can, we kind of played off on that <laughs> that picture's hanging up in your office behind your chair isn't it that is too yeah you know it travels with me everywhere that is that is super cool yeah, it really was a super cool story about Garth, Garth Brooks. Uh, when we pick up the interview in part two, though, we get into him talking about the year of the rat, which is something that I know I really want to talk about just to kind of get his uh, take on that. Um, I'm excited for people to hear part two just as much as part one. You know, growing up, me and a lot of my buddies were kind of Colorado Avalanche fans because of the way they came into the league from Quebec, and they had Joe Sackick and Peter Forsberg. So I remember that Stanley Cup final between Colorado and Florida, and I I remember the rat thing. I never really understood it, and I know I'd, I'd heard some folklore on Sports Center's kind of year-end reviews or whatever, but to hear it right from the, the horse's mouth and Dave, who was in the locker room when the rat incident happened, can't wait for you guys to get to hear this uh, in part two. We'll probably have that in episode five, but keep locked to our social media. We'll keep you updated on that. But what a great interview with Dave Lowry as uh, he continues to try and find his way here as the coach of the Brandon Weekings. And his plate gets full this week as he's got the Medicine Hat Tigers coming into town Tuesday night. The last time these two teams played, pretty good outing for Brandon. But the Tigers have scored the most goals in the Western Hockey League at 163. Despite that, they're third in that Central Division. Tough test, though, no matter what, no matter how you you look at it. Yeah, they're a very high-scoring team, which is what made it even more interesting last time when they were in town, the fact that Ethan Kruger was able to shut them out in, in that 4-0 win. Uh, so now Yuri Patera riding this, this two-game shutout streak. Uh, you would expect him to start again tomorrow night. Nothing is confirmed or tonight by the time you listen to this. Um, but... Uh, if the Wheat Kings can keep playing the way in front of Yuri they have in the last two games, they got a good chance to further shut down the highest scoring team in the league. And I've seen it in especially, you know, Sunday night in Regina or last night or whatever you're listening to this, the, the game in Regina on Sunday, the last about six minutes, I, I just felt like like you mentioned the switch for Yuri. It was a switch for the defense and the forwards. All of a sudden everybody was diving around, blocking shots, guys were coming out of nowhere, sliding through, trying to just get a piece of it to help Yuri out. I think it's a mental thing. They all know about it. They're not gonna talk about it. It's like throwing a no hitter in baseball you don't talk about it but the guys have really bought in and I think they all really want to get see how far they can take this with Yuri and you know as a former goalie I'd love to see it 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 freaks me out on the broadcast because I don't want to be the guy that accidentally lets it slip on the radio during the game and then have it be jinxed but 
for him, I hope that if and when he does give up a goal, it's a real nice one and not a goofy one that he can blame on himself. I hope he rides this as long as he can. So, like, Gordon Miller has no fear of saying it. He, I know. He's actively talked about how he doesn't care how people think. And I've, I've noticed that. You've never really talked about no. it when it's when it's happening. I you? won't, unless the other team's goalie has one goal, and then I'll purposely throw and then it you'll in there. Try to but if it. it's a Brandon Weeking yeah. goaltender, I won't say the S word. I, I won't do yeah. it. And Pete let one slip. Uh, when Jordan Paperni, my first year, Pete let one slip, and they scored about six seconds later, and I almost threw him right out of the booth. Because <laughs> he let it slip, and he it's felt bad it. about it. The second he said it, I could see him cringe up, and then they scored on Paps. And luckily, I don't think Jordan ever noticed, and he never actually blamed us. But <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a real neat time, a real awkwardly superstitious time. But hopefully for Yuri, he can keep winning and, and keep stopping the puck. And uh, It's a busy week as well, because Friday you've got the trade deadline. And then you play a home game against the Red Deer Rebels. I talked to Perry about it. He says his first time he can remember a trade deadline day on a home game day as well. Yeah, That'll be the most awkward morning skate. And on a Friday game day, too. It's just it's a weird just one. Weird. So 4 o'clock deadline and then a 7.30 game. So we could see a couple of different players shuffled in and out from both sides in Red Deer and Brandon before puck drop. But uh, it's a real weird week. I know it's one where the fans are certainly paying a lot of attention to what's going on around the team. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, on trade deadline, uh, you know, if anything happens, stay up to date on the Brandon Wee King uh, social media pages. But excited to talk to Darren Ritchie on the podcast next week about whatever moves he may make or whatever moves he doesn't make. Um, and just kind of what that says for the future of the team and, and the way he sees it going. But uh, we already talked to him so excited to have him back here next week talking about that. I also think that it all depends on the rest of the health of the team. You know, Cole Reinhardt's out still day-to-day with an upper body injury. Lennon McCallum just got caught with that bug that Dom Schmeeman had. He hasn't been able to play. Riley Janelle's sick as well. Uh, I know Bodie Hagen left the game Sunday uh, against Regina. No word yet on whether or not he's able to play this weekend. So I think a lot of it depends on the health, and hopefully uh, some of these guys can start getting back in the lineup here this week. But like you said, after the deadline, moves, no moves. We'll talk to Darren Ritchie about it in Episode 4. Uh, you can hear that uh, next week uh, here on the Weekly Harvest. But uh, obviously a, a real exciting time. We'll be back in the swing of things. We're going to be doing this every week. Uh, the new episodes will launch every Tuesday wherever you get your podcast, right? That's right. And especially, so if you're all listening to this on Tuesday tonight, Week King's back in action taking on the Madison Hat Tigers. It's the first two-for-Tuesday of the new year. So you got the two-for-one tickets. you got all those great concession deals. So make sure to take advantage of that. Uh, Friday night hockey. Then next week, we play on Wednesday and Friday. So you got a couple options over the next two weeks here for either some weekday hockey or weekend. And uh, one of the big ones on the calendar, just to keep circled there, January 17th, Michael Furlan night, the bobblehead presented by oh, TELUS. Yeah. So now, that's, that's always a, a tough big one. bobblehead. That is a hard-headed bobblehead. It looks great, <laughs> you too. You guys should have got the bobble fists is what you should have gotten <laughs> if that was an option for Michael <laughs> Furlan. Uh, but that, I saw it in the office the other day can't wait yeah. i know the fans are gonna love it yeah it'll be really good it'll be another one to add to the collection uh for uh the uh, brandon Wee king fan uh to their bobblehead shelf or collectible shelf weekly harvest podcast episode number three all said and done we'll be back next week with episode four we'll have darren ritchie in here again talking about the trade deadline and then part two of the dave lowry interview will be the week after we'll get that on to episode five you betcha thanks for joining us everybody and see you around the rink We'll see you tomorrow night for summer tonight for some cheap hot dogs and pop and popcorn. I don't need that. Let's go get some food, Crow. I don't need that. You, we all need you it. You don't need it. We all need it. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Be sure to follow Q Country and the Wee Kings on Twitter and Facebook for all your Brandon Wee Kings news. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Harvest.